What's up, fellow educator, aspiring school leader, current school leader, parent, guardian, caregiver, whoever's out there listening to me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, are you ready for episode number two of The Deets with Dr. A? Welcome, I am Dr. A. So episode two is going to be about how you can increase summer engagement for elementary school level students in reading and writing. So the key part of that is increasing summer engagement, but whether you're listening to this during the school year, during summer, uh, school year just began again here at Central Florida where we are recording this, it still gives relevancy to your daily life. So you're gonna learn some skills that kids can do throughout the school year. It doesn't need to be just during the summer. So I hope you enjoy this. This was episode number two. It would broadcast it on June 8th, 2020 at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you wanna watch the video of this session where I had special guests, the Florida Teacher of the Year for Seminole County Public Schools in 2020, and the Teacher of the Year for Orange County Public Schools 2020, Melissa Pappas and Sarah Hall, both on this episode. If you wanna watch the live video of this, the stream session we had, go visit our YouTube channel at The Learning Liaisons. The direct link is in the description of this podcast. We would love for you to comment on that video. Ask Sarah, ask Melissa questions. We are here for you. So enjoy episode number two. How can you increase summer engagement for elementary students in reading and writing? Grab your popcorn, sit back, relax. Hope you guys have a great day. Enjoy and let us know what you think by sending us a quick message here through the podcast or on our YouTube channel on this episode. So enjoy and we'll catch you at the end. What is up? Happy Monday, ladies and gentlemen, all of you teachers and aspiring teacher school leaders out there. And heck, anyone out there who is watching us here on a Monday evening, it is 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And welcome to our second episode of Deeds for Dr. A. Dr. A, my name is Dr. A. There you are. Uh, I am the owner and founder of the Learning Liaisons. We specialize in teacher certification across the country, especially here in the great state of Florida. So I'm sure we have a lot of people here who are Florida teachers and administrators watching. Welcome. So we have got an amazing, amazing episode for you here today. Before I bring you on, a couple of quick things, and we'll talk about this at the end as well. Uh, next week, this is next week's episode. So if you are a parent, a teacher, a school leader, or guardian, heck whoever, you want to tune into next week's episode. We have got a national bullying expert, Dr. Claudio Cerullo. I have known him for probably about five, seven years now. Amazing guy. He's going to be joining us next week to talk about cyberbullying. So you definitely want to check that one out. All right. So what we got going on here today, very cool stuff here. What we got going on today is we have got two rock star teachers joining us. I'm going to bring them on here in a second. Uh, we have got Sarah Hall, who is the 2020 Teacher of the Year for Seminole County Public Schools. And we also have Melissa Pappas, who is the Orange County Public Schools Teacher of the Year as well. So we've got two amazing uh, rock star teachers here for you. So without further ado, let's bring on Sarah and Melissa. Hey, how are you, Dr. Hey, welcome. <laughs> welcome, welcome, ladies. So what I'm going to do is before we start having our conversations here and educating and answer people's questions, why don't you guys take a couple minutes and talk about yourself, share about your experiences, what you're doing now, and let's go. Go for it, Melissa. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with everyone. Um, 
I'm Melissa Pappas. Um, I had the honor of being selected as the 2020 Orange County Public Schools Teacher of the Year this past year. Um, I teach exceptional student education. Um, I teach an intensive unit for students with autism and special needs. Um, so ESC is something I'm very passionate about. Um, that is my heart and I love to educate and advocate for that community. And I'm also very passionate about social emotional learning and um, our first and foremost, my, my focus is on our students. And then I also love to help support other teachers as well so that we can get our kiddos where they need to go and make sure we're supporting How them. How long have you been teaching, can. Melissa? Uh, this is my fifth year teaching. I've been in an education setting for a total of 13 years. Wow. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, you're up, Sarah. How about you? All right, so thanks for having us, Dr. A. Uh, my name is Sarah Hall, and I am the 2020 Seminole County Public Schools District Teacher of the Year. I have my undergraduate degree in elementary education. I have my master's in reading education. I have been in the classroom for 17 years. This past year, I was in a first grade classroom here in Seminole County in a Title I school, and I have been an adjunct professor at UCF for the past six years. So I am fully immersed in mentoring and helping to support prospective educators. It's one of my passions. Um, like Melissa said, I'm also very passionate about advocating for social emotional learning and trauma-informed educating. And I love supporting other teachers. So I'm excited to be here and share with other teachers and then also caregivers that are tuning in. Awesome. Florida here, Sarah is actually uh, the teacher in our reading K through 12 workshop and also our GK reading specialist. And Melissa actually just came on board recently and she is working on our new ESC materials too. So we're gonna have an ESE bootcamp and this is for our Praxis peeps as well. So we're real excited stuff coming up here very soon uh, here at the Learning Liaison. So let's get into the conversation, right? So we're talking about how uh, parents, guardians, teachers can help their elementary school level students uh, during the summertime. So what we're going to do here is very simple. This is very casual. There are no slides here. There's no presentation. We have got a series of discussion questions that we're going to throw on the screen. Um, you guys who are watching, whether you're watching live or you're watching this recording on our YouTube channel, make sure you throw your comments in the box. Definitely uh, like, subscribe, and comment. So if you're watching on, uh, watching on YouTube right now, we're streaming on YouTube. We've got two Facebook groups, big ups to our FTC teachers and our FTC group. And they also have our Praxis teachers in our Praxis Facebook group and then on our Learning Liaisons page. So make sure you definitely subscribe to those the channel and the page. This way you can get updates and information as we go along. So as we go here tonight, we're going to ask you guys questions as well. Uh, put your thoughts about what these two teachers are talking about, some of the discussion questions on the screen. Please throw them in the chat box and also pay attention because during the session, we're going to give you guys the opportunity to join us here at the on the screen. Literally, we're going to fire off a, a link, click it, pop into the room. You can ask these ladies a question, any comments you want to share. Maybe you have a resource that you want to share based on the topics that we're going to talk about here tonight. So let's get it rolling here. So our first question uh, for this evening is we're going to talk about what the summer slide is and not that fun slide in the water parks. Um, and is it real? So. I have an idea what the summer slide is. I know what, it about, what it's about, but I'll let you guys discuss and share with the crowd what exactly is that and is it real? So let's talk about that. 
Um, I'll jump in if that's all right. Um, you know, the summer, the summer slide is very real and the potential for it to be compounded this year because of the new digital learning platform that we were all immersed in at the end of the school year. Um, there's really a potential for a lot of academic loss when students come back brick and mortar. Um, it is on average estimated that most students without summer learning lose two months of reading knowledge and 2.6 months of math knowledge. So to break that down, that means that where your student was at the, or your child was at the end of March is where they will most likely pick back up in August. And um, that's, that's huge. Um, it's recommended that students work three hours a week over the summer on academics. Um, and Melissa, I know is, is really um, passionate too about how students are, um, you know, that it's it should be, you know, not really uh, learning new material over the summer. And I'll let her talk more on that. But, um, you know, we really, we need our kids learning. We need them to stay excited about learning and we need them engaged. But Melissa, do you want to hit on, I know that you have talked before about um, students who, are not, you know, not learning new material over the summer, but just kind right. of. Right. Yeah, I think, when we're, I think when we're looking at summer, um, we're looking at skill retention versus skill acquisition. So rather than trying to teach new skills over the summer, because we do want to allow our students that time to have that mental break. I mean, developmentally, they need that. They need that time to decompress and, you know, just get back to interacting with the world around them you know, with as little as little pressure as, pos as uh, possible. Um, but the skill retention part of it is where we want to sort of prevent any additional regression when we go back into the school year. So it's focusing on maintenance of the skills that they may have already acquired during the school year, you know, and how can we at least keep that going so when we get back to the school year, we at least have a starting point. Yeah, that's, and, it, and as a classroom teacher as well, you always know, even at the, it doesn't matter the grade level too, elementary, middle, and high school. Right. You know, I would notice kids coming back the first year of school, you can tell who was maintaining some some kind of sense of reading or doing something engaging over the summer right. versus the kids that just left school and was like, all right, well, I'll pick it back up when I come back in August. And then they have to play catch up that first month or so. So it's real important, however old you are, just to make sure that you're you're keeping abreast and reading and doing things over the summer. Yeah, relaxing, too. But it's yeah. so important. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Oh, Sarah, oh, we got gotcha. you. There you it's, go, Sarah. Thank you. It's really an opportunity, too, for students to be able to showcase with their caregivers what they have learned all year, to gain a little more independence with that, um, to really increase their confidence, and to just make that foundation so firm so that when they come back, um, they're they're ready to go. They're ready to shine. It's um, not something that they haven't been exposed to for two months. And they're really ready to build upon um, what they already know instead of wasting time potentially reviewing old material. Um, one thing that, um, if you don't mind, Matt, throwing it up, I sent um, Matt a couple pictures to put up ahead of time, if that's all right. And Matt, if you don't mind putting up the picture that says why your child can't skip reading, thank you. This is just an illustration that can really help our participants kind of follow along with this. Um, this is a great illustration of why your child can't skip 20 minutes of reading tonight. And um, if you look at it and, and it really breaks down 
the difference between potentially not practicing your reading at all and practicing your reading 20 minutes every night. Um, and it really digs into that implication that it really compounds. So if you're reading 20 minutes every night, that is going to push you into where you need to be in the fall. And if you don't, you can look at the data there. Um, it really compounds and becomes quite an issue. Awesome. And you guys watching here, whether you're watching live or watching this recording on our YouTube channel, throw in the comments. What is there anything that you do uh, for your children or if you're a teacher, something you suggest for your kids, some good plan of attack things to do over the summer to try to stop that slide, to make sure they're maintaining um, grade level expectations, working, reading on things, doing projects, whatever it is over the summer. Share what you're doing with your kids at home or if you're a teacher, something you share with your kids before you let them go for the summer. So great. So let's throw up uh, number two. Um, oops, sorry, Matt. <laughs> I'm doing it again. All right. So throw up number two. So have you ever heard of the new term? Obviously, we've got we're gonna have to see a lot of interesting names coming out as school start. I like this one. The new term, the COVID slide. Right. So what does that mean? So what do you what do you guys think about that? I wish I wish it was a, I wish it was a cool dance move. It's it's very different from the cha cha slide. <laughs> the COVID slide is very different. You know, um, it's really just the implication that it's going to be some compounded academic trauma potentially when students come back brick and mortar. So not only is there the potential for some really great learning loss that happened when they were at home and not with us for two months or however long it was where you teach, but Really, it, it's the potential that it can really be compounded to be quite an issue when we come back. Um, you know, what we're digging into tonight is the implications of reading and writing academic trauma of being out of school for so long. But, you know, this is a, another webinar for another night. But really, there's going to be a lot of potential for social trauma and, and um, emotional trauma, all kinds of things. So I'm excited that we're talking about this aspect of it tonight. And I love it. Big Kate had a great comment. She was talking about um, the Harry Potter audio books and Boom series. I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with the Boom series is. I'm sure you ladies know what that is. What's the Boom series? You I, don't I am not familiar with that either. I don't know. You throw it out there to the fire. <laughs> but Kate, I'm going to have to look that up, Boom series. Um, and then we got the HP series. I've got one of those. It's a printer, though, but I'm sure that's not what they're talking about. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll echo what you know what Sarah was saying. Um, obviously, you know this for this summer we're facing a very unique set of circumstances. So, you know, typically we'd be looking at that summer slide that we just addressed, which is you know our expected two months. Um, but now, you know, we're factoring in this extra time that we've been out of the classroom, and then on top of that, we are dealing with that trauma, and we are dealing with the potential regression across you know developmental areas. Um, where, you know, we, we're not entirely sure what types of, you know, situations like our students are in or, or our families, you know, what kinds of things they're facing. Um, so I think that's going to be an additional layer um, for us to look at when we do, you know, return to the school year um, and how we're going to address all of those needs, you know, for our kids, because without addressing all of those needs, it's going to be difficult for us to, you know, get back to where we want to be. Yeah, and, and a lot of other yeah. variables come into play too. You know, the, yes. do they have the things at home that they can do to to keep up? Do they exactly. have books at home? Do they have the technology? Is there anything that they can do? Are they automatically put at a disadvantage? 
uh, because of the situation. So a lot of a lot of different things. It'll be interesting to see what happens when we right. when we come back to school. So Kate said over in the comments that it was a typo. It autocorrected. She meant book series, not boob yeah. series. Oh, so. oh my God. <laughs> She needs to be our first, our first person to pop in and play Boom series. I love That's it. That's right. We're not taking points off for typos here. You're all right. That's good. All right. Awesome. So, hey, Matt, let's throw on, let's throw on the next question. There, we got a bunch of good things to talk about here. So, is it important for students to stay engaged in academics all summer? And how do you find balance of learning and taking a break? Break. What's that? All right. What do you guys think about that, Melissa? What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm going to jump in with this one. So. I think it's all in the in your perspective of what academics looks like, because it might not necessarily look like what we're doing in the classroom, but you can infuse academics in everything that you're doing over the summer. And our students are just going to think they're having fun. So it's really, you know, all the, the approach, you know, if you sit and you bake a recipe, you know, you're measuring and, you know, things like that, there's your math skills, you know, if you're you know, if, if they're reading the recipe, there's your readings. I, you know, I go to cooking. So I, you know, you're reading the recipe. So there's the cooking aspect of that. Um, so I think there are really creative ways to infuse academics in the summer, while still allowing students that mental break and that, you know, that time to, to feel like they don't have a whole time, because they work hard during the year, you know, th that time to feel like they don't have all of those demands, um, you know, and sort of more a low stakes, setting you know when they're at home and having fun so awesome how about you sarah what do you, what do you have to say about that i completely agree with what melissa said it's all about making it fun um that's what we try to do and that's where our um creative side comes into teaching is we try to pull in what we know motivates our students that comes down to knowing them mm -hmm. um so when we know them we can do what motivates them and make it fun and creative and nobody knows them better though than their own families so if their caregivers can tie in what motivates them it makes it so much more engaging. Um, the last thing that caregivers want to do is make this um, a fight or, you know, an another chore, another thing. But mm -hmm. if you can make it exciting and fun. Um, and then I would say to speak to the balance part of your question, um, you know, keep in mind that students' um, attention span is their age times two. So a five-year-old, their attention span is 10 minutes. Um, a seven-year-old, 14 minutes. So to have your child sit down, and that's what we say is something that they're not particularly into. You might be thinking, oh, I have a student or a child that can sit down and read Pokemon books for an hour, but that's something that they're probably really into, right? Mm. Um, so what we do, a technique we use a lot at school is to break up the, the movements, break up the um, academics. So do something sitting down, do something standing up, incorporate movement, go outside and do something. So um, if you keep that in mind, that'll help you as far as, you know, you wouldn't want to have your child sit down and work for an hour straight on the computer or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helps balance that, what you said about a break and also academics. Are there any, I know we don't have it as one of the questions thrown on the screen per se, but is there any websites or anything online that you guys can recommend that are fun and engaging that parents can share with their kids, something that obviously not sitting on the computer all day, right? But some things that they can do that, that can be useful over the summer to keep them engaged and keep them entertained. I actually, um, in anticipation of a question like this, I actually <laughs> sent a picture to Matt. So Matt, oh, if you don't mind, 
throwing up the free resources, the free websites picture. And then anybody that's watching, feel free to take a picture of the screen. But here are some free um, educational sites that teachers can suggest, um, parents can send their kiddos on. So feel free to take a, take a screenshot um, of the screen right now. These are some great resources. And, and within here, some great virtual field trips and lots of fun stuff. Awesome. I, I know, I'm not familiar with all of these. You guys probably more than me. Are they, a lot of these free for kids or any of these have like any costs associated with them? All the ones on this screen right now are free. Awesome. Everybody loves free. That's good. So great things to have your kids work on over the summer. This is more primarily towards elementary level. Is this something that like middle school or maybe not so much high school, but let's say middle school kids can focus on? I would say some of the ones that really um, could leverage some learning and academic um Opportunities for more middle schoolers would be more like the National Geographics and um, some of the kind of nonfiction type mm -hmm. um, sites, Time for Kids, things where um, they're really able to, like I said, go on those virtual field trips, dig into some nonfiction vocabulary and text. Those are probably more appropriate than I would say the ABC Mouse or maybe even the um, ABC app, which would be definitely more primary. Awesome. All right. So let's move on to number four. Let's see here. So what would summer learning look like? What do you guys have to say about that? So, so summer, um, we're kind of looking at each other like. Yeah, <laughs> I, can tell, I can tell you if I asked my wife that question, she would tell me, let's well, learning how to fix things around the house. <laughs> you off your butt, but that's your, me. Your honey-do list. And she's probably going to hit me when she watches. She really <laughs> pinch me a little bit when she watches this. <laughs> So we, re we really want summer learning to look like fun, right? Um, we know that best practices as a teacher working with elementary students, um, I could have my students, let's say I'm having them practice sight words. I could have them do something potentially really boring, right? Like we're going to write the words five times each. We all remember doing that when we were in school. But the second you pull out highlighters or magnetic letters or sidewalk chalk and you go out to the bus ramp, anything like that that makes it the slightest bit more engaging or makes it feel like they're really uh, manipulating the materials and it's more hands-on, your engagement is going to go through the roof. So I always tell parents, um, I know I love, I call it the DT, the Dollar Tree, and everybody always laughs at me when I go. I say, I'm going to go hit up the DT. But you can go in the Dollar Tree and literally spend $5 and have the most fun, engaging materials for your child for all summer. So um, have them squirt shaving cream on the side of the bathtub and they're using their finger to write sight words in the bathtub, um, sidewalk chalk, uh, magnetic letters. There's so many different things you can do when you add just a, a, a couple dollars of a few extra things. Um, no, I was Listen, even though I'm like 20 one years old, I still want to get, why are you laughing? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I still want to get that paint that they came out with like a couple years ago that you could write on the chalkboard paint. I still want that. And I'm a grown adult. So stuff like that is too, you know, obviously you got to pay for the paint, but things like that, I've seen pictures of people drawn on their walls, things like that. So that's another good way of fun, fun thing for a kid to do in their bedroom, be able to write all over the wall. So exactly. I, I was going to say the same word fun. And then my, my second word for that was going to be exploration. 
Um, you know, allowing them to explore their environments and explore their resources and their materials. Um, summer is such a great time to work on increasing their confidence as learners and also allowing them to start practicing taking initiative over their learning. You know, giving them a say in, you know, well, what books do you want to read? What are you interested in? What do you want to explore outside? You know, let's let's go look for ladybugs. Let's see how many ladybugs we find. Let's talk about, you know, ladybug metamorphosis and all that fun mm -hmm. stuff. Um, it will increase their excitement um, and it will also allow them to, you know, practice that they'll get that extra engagement, but they'll also be able to practice, well, this is how I want to learn. And that's something they'll take back with them when they go to school. They'll have that, you know, motivation to take initiative over their own learning. Um, mm -hmm. And that confidence and initiative are really important overall. Yeah, and that real life experiences that we yeah. talk about in education. If you go into the school and the teacher starts talking about ladybugs and you that summer were looking at them, reading about them, seeing them outside, then you make those connections and yeah. just motivate you to learn even more at that point. Right. So it's all about those experiences and you don't have to travel the world to get them. You can right. see them right in your backyard. Right, exactly. And you know, another thing you can do is we're talking about really trying to leverage those experiences to incorporate into some learning activities and even having maybe um, if you're going different places, I know that with everything going on, we're not going as many places now, but um, whether you capture photographs or not of where you're going and what you're doing as a family, um, having an interactive journal is a great tool to use for students to also practice writing over the summer. So it could look as simple as a composition notebook or a notepad where you have students um, or your child write about uh, something that they've done, a walk you went on, a go to the beach, anything. And then you can make it interactive where then the caregiver or if you're a teacher doing summer learning, you can respond to them and write back. You can have students tell you all about um, their, their summer adventures. And that's a great way for them to be able to put something really exciting onto paper. And then, like we said before, just making it any any more engaging than than just pencil and paper would make it um, really fun. And I sent Matt a couple pictures of this. Matt, if you could throw up the picture that's um, called Sight Words. This is um, just an image where you can see just a, a couple different ideas of things you can do. So you can see here lots of different materials, right? You see straws, a beach ball, Legos, magnetic letters and dry beans, a, a fun swatter, anything you can do. And I bet you could buy all of this stuff at um, the Dollar Tree as well. DT. And then Matt, oh, go ahead, Dr. Ray. I said DT. Yeah, just put it in DT. Listen, <laughs> it's five bucks, and I promise you, you'll have the most fun summer and your kids will be so engaged. And then, Matt, if you could throw up to more sight words games. So, this is another one. Um, this is, you know, I always tell parents there is a great resource called Teachers Pay Teachers, and you do not have to be a teacher to be on it. And you can actually filter for free materials, but you can find free things like this that you can recreate or print out. Um, use anything you have around the house and look, I bet this would be so much more fun and engaging for any kid rather than just index cards, flash, uh, like flashcards, right? So thank you, Matt. So anything you can do to really just make it more exciting, they're going to, the engagement's going to go through the roof. They're going to be happy. Now, we all know that all kids don't think learning is awesome sauce. So... <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Uh, that brings us to number five. Mac, can you throw number five on there? I'll see if Sarah's going to laugh at me on that one. So what can a caregiver do if their child 
is reluctant to engage in summer learning. So we know that everybody is not always in the mood to to learn, especially during summer, right? When you think of summer, me growing up, it's like, oh, I go, go outside and play, do things, whatever. But we all know that some kids are, are reluctant to do this. So what do you guys have to say about that? What are your comments on that? I think it's really approaching it. You know, we just talked about, you know, allowing them to take initiative, you know, following your child's lead. You know, if you know that they're particularly interested in, you know, if they love Legos, well, let's make letters out of Legos. We don't even have to tell them we're learning. Like, you know, we can, you know, form the letter E, you know, and let them trace it with Legos or something like that. Um, but really following their lead and really sort of tuning into what they're showing their interests are, um, that will open up a whole realm you know, of possibilities, because we as the adults can take that and sort of figure out ways to, you know, infuse learning into all of that um, to where they'll feel like they're playing and they're doing what they love to do. And really, they're getting that academic piece out of it. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Sarah? I totally agree. Melissa hit it, hit it right on the head with that. You know, it's all about leveraging what we know that they're interested in and turn it into a learning experience. So. If you have a child that is um, more into the arts, then maybe doing what we would call a reader's theater activity where you have students take a script and you can make it a whole family event. Everybody takes a part. They practice reading their script every day for a week. So they're building things like fluency. They're um, building expression, things like that. And then at the end of the week, let them use things around the house, make costumes, build sets. It could go as as far or little as, as you want it to. But, um, you know, really leveraging what they're interested in is going to be the key. And then remember that attention span um, clue that I gave you. A child's attention span is their age times two. Um, for adults, it's your age divided in half plus five. So, Dr. A, so I was laughing earlier because you said 21 and I know it's really 20. So, yes. if you divide it in half, 10 plus five, 15 Time minutes, two. right? <laughs> um, but you know, keep that keep that in mind. If as an adult, as a, your caregiver, as a teacher, if you're starting to feel squirmy, the kids are definitely squirmy. So come back to it later. Yeah, and definitely on a side note too, when we talk about the education side, is you definitely want to turn something like this into a punishment. That's something you definitely want to do. You don't want to if it, if your child's not behaving, you don't want to say go in your room and read this and do that. We we right. know we know that, and unfortunately, sometimes that does happen. Um, but that's something you definitely want to veer against, definitely during the summertime, especially, right? And for you guys watching live, and especially those you're going to watch, if you're watching the recording on YouTube channel, throw some comments in the box too, whether something that you're doing with your children, or, or remember when you were a kid, what's something that maybe you did uh, in the education realm over the summer? So we want to hear from that. Throw it in the comments, whether it's live or you're watching the recording version. Awesome, awesome answers. So let's move on to the next question. What we got next up? So yeah, we kind of touched on a couple of them. So um, any other resources that you guys can share off, that, off the top of your head? I don't know if we have any other images saved for everybody here. I, I have a couple more images. So, you know, it's really about um, those, uh, think back, if you're a caregiver, think back to your parent um, teacher conferences from all year. Think about what your child's teacher was telling you they need to work on over the summer. And then even ask your child too, what are some things that were in your classroom that we should maybe have in your work area at home. Um, so Matt, if you wouldn't mind throwing up classroom word wall, 
Um, if this is something that is new to you, this is a word wall, which you would find in any primary classroom in ele any elementary school. But really, it's just those sight words that your child works on all year. And they're categorized up on a common wall in a common area in your child's classroom. Um, I bet if you are, if you're a caregiver tuning in, if you ask your child if they have a word wall in their classroom, their eyes will light up. They'll know exactly what you're talking about. But you can make this in a smaller version in your home. So this would be a great place for you to have a sight word list and all those words that your child has already learned when they're doing their writing, maybe in that interactive journal, suggest to them, hey, is this a sight word? Let's check your list. We want to make sure we spell it correctly. And then Matt, if you'll throw up independent word wall, if you don't mind, please. This is another larger version of this. But again, this one has those sight words that every child um, in the grade would learn at this school. But then you can see some other words on here too that aren't maybe necessarily sight words, but that some of the children in this class love to write about. Thank you, Matt. So, um, you know, also leverage what your child likes to write about. I always tell this story because it always makes me laugh. I had a little girl in my class a long time ago, and she would only write about cats. That's it, only cats. And so she had an independent word wall, and I bet you can think of a lot of the words on her on her word wall, cat, feline, cat toy, treat, all kinds of things. Um, and then the, the joke is that one time I told her, um, you have to write about outer space, you can't write about cats today, we're learning about outer space, and I really want to see what you remember, what we learned this week, and of course she wrote about a cat in outer space. So you gotta give it to kids. They're, they're always going to amaze us, right? But using those resources and um, putting them somewhere in your home where students can really have some things that they're used to learning with, those are going to be great tools to include. Awesome. I agree with that. And, and having those resources available, you know, and even allowing, you know, allowing your children or your students to, um, to have access to all of those resources, because that's going to be another way that they're sort of taking initiative or over their own learning, you know, giving them access to those materials and saying, you know, what looks good to you? What's interesting? And, you know, what can we create together? And, um, you know, another, I know you posted the, um, the one list of resources earlier. Um, and uh, I wanted to add on to that. The virtual field trips are fantastic, especially, you know, right now uh, travel is limited and summer is, you know, a time that many people choose to travel. Um, and you can create so many different activities out of that. Um, you know, you can, it can stem con or it can spark conversation for, you know, reading interests and things like that. And you can, you can write about that. And um, so I think just having that collection available and having it be something that you explore as well as allowing your student to explore. Awesome. We got a great question from one of our viewers. Um, what ed tech tools do you recommend to reduce summer learning loss in grades PK through three? So the little ones there, anything specific you, you guys can share? Um, you know, with, with pre-K through three, um, that's that time where we really want students engaged in learning uh, with as much hands-on as possible. So like Melissa was saying earlier, um, I know that he's specifically asking about ed tech, but anything that you do, then incorporate technology. So if you are having students or, or your child, um, you're baking something together and you're digging into mixing and measuring, but then you're also diving into oral, um, oral language development, um, vocabulary, such as, um, you know, whisking and all those things, then you can then 
tie that into ed tech by finding some um, programs online where you can have your student write and type up and add pictures and photographs and create a storyboard of what you made together. Um, and then also, um, and it just says Facebook user. I, I'm sorry, I can't see your name, but whoever asked this question. Um, also remember those websites we put up earlier. So Matt, I don't know if you mind putting that up one more time. Thank you, Matt. But feel free to take a picture of this. Um, just looking at it, learning A to Z, perfect for those younger kids. Um, Brain Pop, lots of great videos explaining concepts. Um, Storyline Online, read stories aloud. So that listening comprehension. ABC Mouse, they pick their own level and they can work through some different phonics activities. Time for Kids, nonfiction. Um, but feel free to take a picture of the screen, but everything on this screen is a free website. Awesome. So before, before we get to the next question, we're going to take a little word from one of our sponsors of Deets with Dr. A. Um, let's hear from our sponsor. A quick little word from our sponsors over at Pun World. The other day, I got attacked by one, three, five, seven, and nine. The odds were against me. Back to you, Dr. Ray. All right. So we love having fun here at the Learning Liaison. So hopefully you weren't shaking your head and nodding like this, but a uh, little laughter there. So let's move on to our next question. All right. So what do we got coming up here? So what is the most important thing for caregivers to keep in mind this summer? I'm going to say show yourselves and your students grace this summer. That's going to be our biggest, at least, you know, one of the top of my list is, is grace this summer. We, everyone has been through quite a lot this year. Um, so I think that's going to be first and foremost, the most important thing. Um, mm -hmm. They're going to need our students, especially are going to need that level of understanding from us. Um, and I think if we can allow them to feel safe and supported, um, that's a really strong foundation um, upon which to continue to build um, you know, their academic learning, um, but that, you know, it's a foundation for them. So that's going to have to come first. Um, and then, you know, again, just take their lead and, and have fun with it and um, use this time to, you know, to continue to allow them to uh, sort of build their own ideas about what their interests are and, and how you can learn that as far or use that as far as their learning. Um, I think it's a good place to start. You feel that that transcends all grade levels, K through 12? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So what do you, what yeah. do you think, Sarah? Um, I love what Melissa said. And that's really, you know, where my heart is too, is, is giving students um, grace to kind of meet them where they are and then um, leverage what they already know and what they're interested in to really create some fun experiences for them over the summer. But then as an advocate for what's called social emotional learning and trauma-informed educating, I would also say um, bring in those, those stories and those books when you're reading with your child. Um, bring in those stories that are going to really leverage some great conversations um, that have some nice conversation starters for what they're going through right now. So the most important thing we want students to know this summer is that every emotion that they're feeling is normal and okay, but we want them to be able to express those and process those in healthy ways. There are so many great books out there on um, about anxiety and worrying and trying new things and being brave and all kinds of topics that really allow for some great conversations so that students aren't 
holding that in all summer. We want them to be able to have healthy ways to express that. So keep in mind that that's a great tool to bring in those stories that are really going to um, help you have some important conversations with what's going on in our world. I think for, for our older students too, Dr. A, just to you know touch on what you were saying with that as well, um, obviously those conversations will look different based off of you know the age you know, of our students, but I think especially for our older students, it's going to be really important for them to hear that uh, they're not alone in how they're feeling. You know, um, I think being open to having those conversations and saying, I'm feeling that way too, you know, because sometimes, I mean, I remember when I was that age feeling like, am I the only one thinking like this? Am I the only one that feels like this? And it's so comforting to hear from someone else that they're feeling the same way. So um, I think for our older students, that, that would be a really uh, good point of conversation um, to open up there for yeah. kiddos. It's, it's it's all about the even even what we do here at the learning liaisons working with thousands of teachers helping their right. exams. A lot of teachers, whether I meet them face to face at schools or universities or even online on the phone, a lot of people just think they're alone. Like they yeah. fail their exam, they think there's something wrong with them, maybe they should change careers. It's all aspects of life. So the, the, the it's a great point that you ladies are making that you gotta understand that whether it's a five-year-old, 10-year-old, 13, 18-year-old, everybody's got feelings. Sometimes it's a little harder to get to them. Sometimes it's very easy to get to them. Yeah. It's all about having those conversations. And sometimes even, even the side note to that is if you're a parent or a guardian, a caregiver, maybe you're not sure how to initiate those conversations. That could be something right. else. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Um, if, you, if you have a five-year-old daughter or son or a middle school kid or high school kid, and you feel like, yeah, obviously they have some feelings and they're upset about what's going on and, and school and everything. How do you even initiate that conversation? Because I'm sure that every household is different and sometimes people might not know, parents might not know how to, what do I do to engage in that conversation, right? So do you guys have any thoughts about that? How to go about initiating conversations if that's something that you feel like it's really not that easy to do? Um. If, if Sarah, if you don't mind, if I have been quick, um, I think uh, with our younger learners, you know, what Sarah was saying earlier about finding books and things that touch on some of those hard conversations, I think for our younger learners, um, that makes it relatable. So when they when they hear that story and they recognize oh that's how I'm feeling too, that will sort of open the open the conversation for our younger learners. And then, you know, a lot of our older learners, a lot of them have access to social media. They're on the internet. They see what's going on. Um, so I think just keeping a very open and honest line of communication with them and asking them, how are you feeling about what you're seeing and what you're hearing? And, you know, what's your processing like on, on this issue? And really just listening, taking a moment to just listen, allow them to feel heard. Um, I think those are sort of the two best ways to approach those two age groups. Um, I mean, obviously, there, there is literature that's going to be available for our older students, and some of them might might prefer to engage in conversation through that. Oh, I read about this and this is how I'm feeling about it. Um, but I think those are two good strategies to address those two age groups. Awesome. What do you think, Sarah? I love that, Melissa. And, you know, I, I think, too, to, to kind of tackle the other side of that, what if the caregivers are the ones that are reluctant, right? What if, like Dr. A, you were saying, they don't, you know, I don't know, maybe they're saying, I don't know what books are out there now. I don't know what books you know, really lend themselves to this conversation. Um, so I would say, you know, first of all, it's impactful to be honest that even as adult, we don't have all the answers, mm -hmm. but you can even bring in books that maybe you remember from your childhood and how fun it is to be able to introduce 
your children to some of their favorites. So um, let's see if we can try something. If you are in our Facebook groups or if you are um, tuning in, comment. I would love to hear it. What is what are some of your favorite books from when you were a child? Um, I know that there's there's all those favorites from when we were growing up. So um, can anybody tell us what were some of your favorites growing up? Um, and then, you know, it's really about taking those books and um, that we know that we loved and that could kind of help because maybe it's a book that you're more familiar with. But um, if anybody can comment with any of their childhood favorites, I'd love to see what they are. What was your favorite, Sarah? I was a um, Ramona Quimby fan. I was a Babysitter's Club reader through and through. Um, I loved Nancy Drew and that was one that was my mom's favorite growing up. So that was really fun to connect to her through Nancy Drew. Um, anything that had to do with, um, kind of, uh, growing up, right? So those, um, as far as, you know, oh, learning like babysitters club, learning how to babysit or, um, something about going to middle school, something that made you feel heard about what you're already thinking about getting older and growing up. But I would say all-time favorite babysitters club. And Melissa, your turn. Those are those are good. Um, <laughs> uh, so I love the Lorax. That's one of my favorites. Um, I also read the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew. Um, I read the Babysitters Club. Uh, Goosebumps was a big one of my favorites. <laughs> um, yeah, I loved I I loved anything that had a little bit of mystery and adventure and excitement to it. Um, and then I also loved any anything with a, you know, warm, fuzzy ending. That was, you know, the Lorax was a good one for me. So Awesome. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Oh, what was your God. favorite? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, my, my bet at the beginning, usually I introduce Matt. Matt's our executive producer. He's all he's the one doing the stuff in the background, changing the questions, oh, yeah, helping right. us out. So he's gonna hate me right now after this one. But what was no, your actually favorite? I've been thinking about this? Um <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers these books, but there was this one series. It was like the sideways stories from Wayside High or something like that. And there was like two books. I have or maybe actually three books. I have a little set. And if you haven't, if you haven't read it, go out and find it. Just um, um, Sarah, you're shaking your head. You've, you've heard of it. Okay. I have, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, and, and those are still. I have them in my classroom library. Actually, they they're well loved, and um, you know, anything that um, is silly, right? Were were I think a lot of our favorites. Doctor A, do you remember any of yours? Um, honestly, I'll be honest with you. When I was a little kid, and this is something that's on my. Some people actually read my story on my website. I don't really advertise it. But when I was growing up, I had very severe reading disabilities when I was a kid. And I was put in a room with a couple other students every day. I'll never forget kindergarten. And I grew up in New York. So elementary school went to fifth grade, uh, excuse me, sixth grade. So reading, honestly, I was not an avid reader. It wasn't until I went to my master's degree and doctoral degree before I started reading. But the only real book I read when I was a kid a lot of times was The Little Engine That Could. But that's showing, that's like real, real young. But yeah, yeah. if someone asked me, literally sat there and said, name some books you read as a kid. I know it's embarrassing, but reading wasn't something that I was a fan of until I was much older. Yeah. So but I really that's, 
yeah that's an impactful story too though because you know there's so many students that struggle with reading and Mm -hmm. and you know look at you you have your doctorate you Mm -hmm. created it and are ceo of your own company that's a huge success story so that needs to be told just as much probably even if not more than me Mm -hmm. saying oh i you know was intrinsically motivated to read by myself every single day right that story needs to be told too we all have have our passion so reading when i was younger wasn't but writing i love writing I still love writing even to today. So we all have things that we we excel at and we enjoy at. So um, so I think we hit all of the questions here. Is any of you guys, any, I know as we're talking and thinking about stuff, I'm sure you reflected and coming up with some ideas or things that come to mind through our conversations. Any, any kind of final words, last comments when we talk about things to do with your elementary school kids during the summer, anything that we didn't touch on that you guys want to share? Um, you know, I think just, you know, to, to really hit it again, though, you know, make it fun. Um, Make it fun. Make it, you know, you don't want it to be uh, like Dr. A said, a punishment, a fight. Make it fun. Um, Keep incorporating new materials. You know your kids best. So use that to make it engaging for them. And then, um, you know, as far as additional resources, um, I, this has been great. I don't want this to be goodbye. So if anybody's watching and wants to stay connected with me, um, I would love to stay connected. My Twitter handle is on the screen. Um, also I, um, it's not up there, but I recommend a lot of books on my Instagram. So on Instagram, my handle is at meet underscore miss underscore hall. So I will type it over in the chat in a second. Um, but Instagram meet miss hall. Um, Twitter, Sarah Hall KG. Let's stay connected. I love recommending books and um, also tag me in the fun things you're doing. I'd love to see it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, you, Melissa, anything else you want to share when it comes to the topic? Yeah, I think, you know, just what we touched on earlier, um, I think summer is the perfect time to really work on um, students' excitement as learners. You know, it's the perfect time to allow them to explore and uh, figure out what type of approach they prefer when it comes to learning. Um, because when they come back to the classroom, we want them to be excited about learning and we want them to have all of these new skills and this confidence when they come back to the classroom about how they're going to go into the year and use all those skills. Um, I feel like such a huge portion of being a learner is that excitement factor and that, that confidence, you know, um, because if, you know, if someone hands you a piece of material, you might know it, but if you're not confident in it, that's going to significantly impact how you, you know, your performance. Yeah, um, so it goes I, the same for us as teachers too. Exactly. You know, exactly. For a lot everyone. Of teachers watching this live or the people are going to watch us on our YouTube channel afterwards. Um, educators as well. This is not for our kids. We know as educators, research change, things change, especially now yes. with schools closing down and, t- and turning to distance learning. We've got a lot of teachers, including these two ladies on the screen, they're doing exceptional things with their students. And you watch the stories across the country, people doing things online. And there's also the other side where some people are really not that confident. And then on the uh, real other side, far on the left side is the people that just didn't know what they were doing, kind of thrown into it. So learning over the summer is a great thing. And we're going to have some topics coming up on, on shows over the summer too, how to get yourself prepared if you're a teacher for for the new era of school, we know it's not going to look exactly the same way when we start school in August or September, depending on what state you're watching in. So as an educator, take it upon yourself to research, find things that are working for teachers across the country, learn about them, learn the technology, 
right? Even if it's as simple as using like Google Sheets or Google Docs or getting accustomed to Zoom, because I'm sure that things are going to change. Not all school districts are going to go back 100%. There's going to be mixed mode. So get yourself prepared over the summer. So it's not just the kids, it's yourself too, as an educator and as a parent. So great stuff there. So what we're going to do is we're going to wrap it up right now. I do want to thank Sarah and Melissa for joining us here on episode two of the Deets with Dr. A. We talked about teacher certification last week. And next week, uh, for you guys who joined after we start, Matt, if you want to throw up our, our guest for next week coming up, this is next Monday. Remember, we're doing this every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you guys are in for a real treat. If you are a parent, a teacher, and this guy travels the country. He speaks to tens of thousands of students. It's be, he's been doing this. He's got his own nonprofit, uh, anti-bullying organization located out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's a founder. It's Teach Anti-Bullying, and he is an amazing individual with amazing life story and experiences, and his job is to help you guys, not just on cyberbullying, but bullying in general, because we know, especially now we're, since we're introducing the technology side, they might open the doors up for other things. And with the new applications and things that our kids are using on their smartphones, middle school, high school, maybe even elementary school students, um, things that you need to be aware of and, and cognizant of moving forward. So as a parent or as a teacher, you're aware of these situations and how to handle them. So we're, we're honored to have him here next week, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So once again, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I always love learning from Melissa as well. So it was an honor to get to share with her. And then thanks for having us, Dr. Ray. And thanks to Matt. (laughs) Thank you for coming. All right. So what we're going to do here is we're going to wrap this up. If you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns, go ahead and throw them in the chat box. Whether you're watching, if you're watching live, Thank you for joining us here on our episode number two of Deets with Dr. A. If you're watching this recording on our YouTube channel, thank you. Please make sure below this video, you like, comment, and subscribe to Learning Liaisons. Yes, our main focus, our business is to help teachers pass their certification exams and school leaders in Florida across the country. But now we're rolling out this show every every Monday night where it's strictly content to help you, whether you're a parent, a teacher, a school leader, whomever, we're here to help you. So with that being said, we're going to wrap this up, call it the end of episode two. Dr. A here, Deets with Dr. A. You guys have a great rest of your Monday, an even better week, and an amazing weekend. You guys have a great night, and we'll talk to you next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. did you think? That was episode two of the Deets with Dr. A show that streamed on June 8, 2020. We'd love to get your feedback. Send us a message through the podcast. Go watch the actual live recording. Make a comment on the live recording, which is on our YouTube channel. The link is in the description of this podcast. We'd love to get your feedback. Great strategies, great methodology, great insight from two educators that excel in their field and represent their counties with pride and they've been in the field for a long time so what better to get some insight from people who practices every day and strive to be the best and most effective educators they can in the classroom and outside of the classroom so thanks again for listening to episode number two catch all the episodes and all the videos and more on our youtube channel at the learning liaisons and coming up in episode number three we've got my main man 
national bullying expert, Dr. Claudio Cirillo, is going to talk about cyberbullying. So we'll catch you in episode number three.